Good morning. Thanks for tuning in. This is Pastor Julie Lewis from Asbury United Methodist Church in Smyrna, Delaware, where we share the love of God and the good news of Jesus Christ in all we do. Good morning, this is Pastor Julie, and we are starting a new series this morning called Dinner with Jesus, and it explores the various meals that Jesus shared. And the first one we are looking at is in Luke chapter 5, verses 27 to 32. After this, he went out and saw a tax collector named Levi sitting at the tax booth, and he said to him, follow me. And he got up, left everything, and followed him. Then Levi gave a great banquet for him in his house, and there was a large crowd of tax collectors and others sitting at the table with them. The Pharisees and their scribes were complaining to his disciples, saying, Why do you eat and drink with tax collectors and sinners? Jesus answered, Those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick. I have come to call, not the righteous, but sinners to repentance. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Food has been a very important part of our existence since the very beginning. When God created the earth and everything else, he made a marvelous diversity of species. After everything else was accomplished, God made human beings, male and female, in his image. Their first, his first instructions to them were, be fruitful and multiply. Then after giving them their purpose to look after the living things of the earth, he told them about their food. See, I have given you every plant yielding seed that is upon the face of all the earth, and every tree with seed in its fruit, you shall have them for food. And we know that the first sin had to do with food and eating. Then when God had destroyed most living things on the earth by the flood, he gave Noah essentially the same instructions. Be fruitful and multiply, look after the living things of the earth. And then he talked about food. He says, every moving thing that lives shall be food for you. And just as I gave you the green plants, I give you everything. God knew that food, what we eat, when we eat, and how we eat, were very important to our survival, but even more than that, our ability to live together in community. In this day and age, most of the world doesn't eat just for survival. It's more than that. Most of our fondest memories come with specific meals like Christmas, Easter, and Thanksgiving meals. Birthday parties and celebrations are not celebrations at all without some sort of food attached. Sometimes we can just smell a familiar food and it takes us back to some important memory in our lives. Now I want you to think for a moment, what is your best memory that came with food? Your first date going out to dinner, some family meal, a holiday with those special holiday dishes. What smell takes you back to your childhood and makes you smile like the warm smell of hot chocolate on a winter day? Research has shown that memories are stronger and easier to recall when attached to a physical sensation and grounded in some sort of emotional experience. And that experience is usually some sort of food. Yes, food is not just about survival anymore. We see it as an experience, and that experience comes through the planning, the preparation, the creation, and discovering new ways to cook and serve our food. 
Food can bring us joy, love, and connection. Eight in ten people watch cooking shows. The world of food has taken on more than an educational aspect, but has become our entertainment. So many restaurants, so many ways to eat, and we can find ourselves overwhelmed with all the choices. We, in general, as human beings, love to eat, and so did Jesus. Now, obviously, he didn't have access to the experiences we do today, but they probably had restaurants and food carts, and he rarely, if ever, ate alone. Especially in Luke, we read of the many meals he had with the others, sometimes as a guest or sometimes as the host, like in the feeding of the 5,000. In Luke, Jesus seems to be always eating with someone in particular. Now, I want you to take the piece of paper you were given and finish this sentence. The Son of Man, or Jesus, came, you fill in the blank. Of all the answers we could give, Jesus himself gives us three endings. The first two say why he came. Matthew 10, 45, the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life for many. Luke 19, 10, the Son of Man came to seek and save the lost. The third ending represents how he came. Luke 7, 34, the Son of Man came eating and drinking. Jesus came to eat. His singular mission strategy was to build relationships through the sharing of a meal. And in this series, we will take a deep dive into those meals and what they say to us today. And as we look into his mission to bring people into the kingdom, we will look at how he used our love of food to let us see his true heart. And maybe, just maybe, we will begin to see ways we too can use simple food as a way to reach others for the kingdom of God. Now, this series is based on a book called A Meal with Jesus by Tim Chester. I recommend you read it. There's a lot I won't have time to talk about, and it will help us all determine how we can love like Jesus through a simple meal. Let's look at our first meal, which begins with the calling of Levi, or Matthew, as his disciple. Now, Luke chapter 5 begins with the calling of the first disciples, Simon Peter, James, and John the fisherman. That is followed by Jesus cleansing a leper and then healing a man lowered through the roof by his friends. After this, he goes out and sees Levi, the tax collector, sitting at his tax booth. He simply says, follow me. And Levi gets up, leaves everything, including the money sitting there, and follows him. Then Levi gives what is called a great banquet for Jesus at his house. Now, the other guests are specified as a large crowd of tax collectors and others. Now, when a great banquet is held in any town during that time, it was a huge social event. And even if you were not invited, you might stand around on the outside to see what was happening, kind of like being at the red carpet, watching the A-list celebrities go by. You're not on the carpet, but you're watching the display. Now, this is probably where the Pharisees and their scribes were standing on the outside looking in, and they look at the guest list and see tax collectors and sinners. Definitely not the A-listers. Can you see them whispering over the barrier? Hey there, Simon, James, John, why are you eating with those terrible people? Maybe they wanted to be on the list, 
but more likely they were reprimanding a rabbi and his followers for eating with those people. You see, under Levitical law, there were people who were considered clean and those considered unclean. To be fair, the Pharisees spent a lot of time and effort making sure their lives were holy, that they were worthy of God. Levitical law was there for a reason, and those who loved God were to practice them to the best of their ability. And part of that law told them not to associate with the people who did not follow the law, who were unclean for one reason or another. The thing is that they tried to impose the holiness laws given to the priests on everyone. They See, they believed if everyone was holy, the kingdom of God would appear on the earth. So we can imagine that these tax collectors and sinners seemed to be intentionally unholy and wouldn't be people they would associate with. But let's look at how Jesus saw all that. We get a window into his theology in the stories of chapter 5. First, in the calling of Simon, James, and John, Jesus goes out on the boat and teaches, and then he tells Simon to put out their nets to catch fish. And Simon tells him they've been out all night and didn't catch a thing, yet he does it anyway. And they find that there are so many fish, they almost sink the boat. Food enough for everyone. Then Simon falls down on his knees and tells Jesus to get away from him because he is a sinful man. Jesus knew that already and loved him so much for his honesty, his willingness to see who he really was, that he becomes Jesus' first and best disciple. He's already associating with sinners. Then he is approached by a man with leprosy. This man falls at his feet and says, if you choose, you can heal me. Jesus says, I do choose. But more importantly, he then reaches out his hand and touches him. People often miss this point, but as soon as Jesus touches him, by Levitical law, he would then be considered unclean. Because by Levitical law, this is how a person with leprosy is supposed to be treated, along with those made unclean by association, like touching. The person who has the leprous disease will wear torn clothes and let the hair of his head be disheveled. And he shall cover his upper lip and cry out, unclean, unclean. He shall remain unclean as long as he has the disease. He is unclean. He shall live alone. His dwelling shall be outside the camp. Jesus didn't tell him to go outside the camp, nor did anyone tell Jesus he should go outside the camp. He saw him as a human being and loved him through the touch of his hand. The next story with the man lowered through the roof is interesting because he doesn't heal his physical issue. At the beginning, he tells him his sins are forgiven. Those Pharisees are grumbling about that too, but to show them that he is the Son of God, he heals his illness and tells him to walk. Throughout this chapter, Jesus is intentionally associating with the least, the last, and the lost showing us that relationships and not laws matter more to God. He showed this more frequently by the meals he shared than any other way. We know that tax collectors were considered lower than sinners. Many times in scripture, they are separated from sinners. It never says prostitutes and sinners, murderers and sinners, 
but only tax collectors and sinners. They were Jewish people who were working for the Romans and stealing from their own people and extorting money from them. They grew rich on what they stole and left others in poverty. Traitors and thieves. Definitely not part of the clean crowd. Jesus looks at Levi and sees possibilities. He wants him in the kingdom and knows he has access to others just like him. Levi puts on a grand feast. Something about Jesus and his call to him has captured him. And he wants to share this good news with those who feel left out and judged like him. It's interesting to note that not only does Jesus sit down and eat with those people, but if you consider that this party was paid for by ill-gotten gains, the overtaxation of his own people, it makes it even more scandalous. I mean, in today's world, don't we criticize people for participating in events paid for by the wrong people? We can't eat at that dinner because China might be paying for it and they might want something in return. That food came from a store that exploits the poor. You know, that kind of thing. Yet here's Jesus, knowing full well where the money came from and who these people were. Not religious at all, maybe didn't even believe in God, who stole, lied, adulterers, and who knows what else. But there were a lot of tax collectors too. You know, those terrible people. Jesus freely sits down and eats with them. Why? Because he came to serve and not to be served, to seek and save the lost. And he found the way to do that was to come, eating and drinking. We cannot share a meal without being together. Eating builds connections. When we eat with someone, they are our companions for a short time. We also call them company, which call, comes from the word companion. And the word companion comes from the Latin words come, which means together, and panis, which means bread. A companion is someone we share bread with together. Think about all we lost during the pandemic. We lost connections and companionship. We couldn't be together or touch one another. Restaurants were closed, and our shared meals were non-existent, even in our families. But even before that, we were becoming a society of broken relationships and connections. We began to eat in front of the TV instead of sitting down and talking to one another. One in eight Americans eat fast food every day, and 20% of our meals are eaten in the car. We can use food in ways it was never meant to be used, as stress relievers, emotional comfort, and as a way to build barriers between us and others. Yet, Jesus came eating and drinking, because God has given us food as a way to build community, to have a way to reach out and make connections, to help seek and save the lost, to build the kingdom of God through the sharing of a simple meal. And as he left his disciples, he left another simple meal with them that he instructed them to share together when he had gone. We call it community, communion, which is another word for building community. When we use his way of building community through eating and drinking, through sharing a meal with others, we are using the most tried and true way of evangelism. By sharing a meal with someone, we are saying we accept them as they are that we are not judging them. 
We have the best opportunity to build relationships that will lead to salvation to those least, last, and lost. And we will be partnering with Jesus to build the kingdom of God here on earth. We are about to finish our kitchen renovation, and I can't wait to see all the ways we can use that to share meals together and with others. The many ways we can reach out with food to connect people to God. This ministry opportunity is amazing, and I certainly am grateful for all who participated in this project, whether giving time or giving to the capital campaign. It is truly wonderful. But we don't need that kitchen to do Christ's work using food as our evangelism tool. On the 26th of this month, we will be sharing a meal together with Jesus. We have a lunchtime meal available for those who may not be able to come out at night and also an evening meal. This is just for us so that we can get to know each other better, build community relationships, and begin to understand how each one of us has the power of a shared meal to reach others for Christ. Please sign up to come to a meal. But we also need people who will open their homes to host these dinners and lunches. You don't need a spotless house. Being who you are makes everyone more comfortable. You don't need to be a great cook. We'll ask everyone who can to bring something to the meal. And feel free to order dominoes if that works for you. You just need a heart to welcome God's people into your house. We will offer a short session to help the host know what they can do to help build that community during the dinner. Have dinner with Jesus. He eats with all types, even me. Because at heart, we are all sinners, and aren't we grateful that he sits down to eat with us? Let us learn how to use food, to come eating and drinking, just like Jesus, to love one another and to build community. But I have one more challenge. Before this series is over, I challenge each of you to share a meal with someone you wouldn't normally share a meal with. Maybe a coworker, a neighbor, someone on a committee with you. Go out to lunch, have them over to your house, however it works for you. The only goal will be to get to know them better. You don't need to talk about God, just build a relationship. The Pharisees objected to the guest list not the meal. Now, I'm not saying eat with a serial killer, but maybe you can reach out to the one in, the off, in your office or neighborhood that most people avoid. I don't know. Let the Spirit lead you. Just share a meal. And when you do, I want you to put your name on the post-it note and put it on this board. Let us see how many meals we are sharing with the people around us. And let's start building the kingdom of God again through our food ministries and see what will happen as we share a meal together. Good Methodists unite. Bring on the casseroles. Make the wrong crowd the right one in the name of Jesus. Together. Amen.